Kate Ekman is a broadcast journalist, accomplished author and success coach known for her book, The Full Spirit Workout. She is here to help you shed self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core and create a fulfilling life. She brings a multifaceted approach to empowering individuals to overcome mental and emotional roadblocks that hinder their success. In this episode, you will learn about the concept of a full spirit workout to overcome mental and emotional roadblocks. Explore the five P's of confidence for building self-assurance and embrace the importance of inner fitness. You will gain strategies to shed self-doubt, uncover the secrets to achieving your desires and uncover techniques to prevent burnout. I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a great place to grow up. Um, after that, it was a bit boring for me and I wish I was um, satisfied with a more simple life, but um, I, I feel like I have a bigger mission and purpose. And so, but lovely place. And I'll be going back there on Sunday to actually move out of a property that I have there um, that I bought during COVID. So yeah, I was there and I was a competitive swimmer. And so I swam at Penn State University on a swimming scholarship. And then I just, again, I started out pre-med. I really wanted to be a doctor like my relatives and, and my brother who was in med school or going to med school at the time. And the blood and guts and all of that just freaked me out. I couldn't stomach it. And so um, moved over into communications and, um, you know, public relations and, and things like that, where I was dealing more with people than with bodies and blood and, and things like that, that I, I <laughs> just gave me the heebie jeep. I can't even look at stuff like that now. I'm like, oh, I'm like, wow, you really. And I went through all those really challenging, you know, the organic chemistry and all those science classes. I'm kind of a nerd and I, I love them. And science is my strength, but had to switch gears. And I just knew probably towards like junior year of college, I was, I was a buff movie buff, loved going to the movies, would go by myself, see two or three in a row at times. I was just, again, so fascinated with storytelling and the hu human experience and the human emotions. And my favorite films always made me feel, if I went to a film and I'm crying, they did their job where I, I could feel those person's emotions. So I'm so grateful to all the gifted actors out there that allow us to feel. Same with music. Music makes you feel. So, you know, I, I think then I gravitated towards the LA world. I had done an internship out there and I wanted to be in a business where, you know, you, you're hired to entertain and to help make people feel. And, um, you know, again, I just, I feel like so many things I kind of fell into, you know, I kind of, my life has been directional, not linear. It's kind of like, okay, this is the, the direction. And then you kind of think you're going for one thing. So I wasn't a movie producer or director, but I was a, a reporter, a journalist interviewing all of those people. So I think that's a good message for people to hear is some people like my brother, doctor, you know, medical school, fellowship, residency, doctor for your whole life. Awesome. Um, I'm a little more all over the place. I think that's kind of our, our culture now. And I especially like to tell young people who are so stressed out. You know, when I talk to college kids about they, they think that they have to decide what they want to do forever when they graduate. And you don't. You can change your mind. I think with anything, you can change your mind and you can you're going to meet someone who can give you an opportunity. And maybe it's outside the scope of what you originally thought. But so I, I got to Hollywood and I was. Um, my first job was working at Walt Disney Studios in, in post-production, worked for a post-production house, another one. And then just, you know, again, you just start meeting people. And, and it was an actor actually who's like, you have such a great personality. You should, because I was always asking people questions because I'm the curious kid and journalist. He's like, you should be a journalist. And so I just, again, kind of fell into it. 
and then built my career from there. Yeah, I mean, that is such a kind of roundabout way to get to where you're at. But it's it's true. You've got to try a lot of things before you know what you want to do. Like one of my previous guests says he kind of was speed dating with jobs. So he went, obviously, his first job was in fast food. He hated that. Most people don't aspire to have a career in fast food. Then he tried this, he tried that. And he found, you know, personal training stuck for him. And so for you, you were kind of bouncing around being like, oh, OK, yeah, don't want to be a doctor, even though that would be great and very simple. That's going to drive me absolutely nuts. And, you know, bouncing around, you found your right place to be and it's one of those ones where when someone says to you oh you should do this you should do that some people hear that and go yeah yeah but you know this thing i've got now it's going all right and you were like uh okay actually i'm gonna try this out talk to me about your kind of process of getting into reporting because you've interviewed some of the biggest stars on the planet but i'm sure your first interview wasn't you know straight away with angelina jolie there was you know a building process to that and you know getting through the front door with your microphone or with your pen and paper is is hard enough as it is yeah i really have had i'm probably such an unusual person to talk to because i have had the most ass backwards career i am a status quo disruptor i don't do anything by the book i don't play by the rules i don't do what people say you should do or have to do to become successful or to go after your dreams i think I just always had that mission and I don't really take no for an answer. If this person says no, I go to the next person. And I think people even just feel that within me, like, well, let's just give this, this girl a chance. Um, because I actually did start my journalism career in Hollywood reporting on the red carpet. And so, which is where a lot of people hope to end up and stay. I started there and then to go back to school and get a master's degree in journalism and then go to the court system in Chicago, very gnarly place. And then just to hit up a bunch of, you know, small to mid to large local news markets across the country. And then to, you know, when the economy was crashing around 2008, 2009, and they wanted to pay you half to do like 10 more things in the job. You know, I was in, in South Florida and a lot of gnarly stuff going on. And I just kind of had enough of it. I, uh, my boyfriend at the time was moving to Zimbabwe, Africa to be a wildlife biologist over there and study the African wild dogs. And I joined him for part of that trip and worked as a journalist there. So, I mean, who does? I was living in the bush. I wasn't having a rich American safari experience. I was, it was, it was hard on me. I am a bougie white girl from the States. It was <laughs> not easy. I like my air conditioning and Wi-Fi and my nice restaurants. Um, there was none of that. And so what a great opportunity for me to grow and expand and do really, really important work, which is to raise awareness about the deplorable conditions for, for the wildlife and the people there and, and the president, Robert Mugabe, just destroying everything in, in his sight. So again, a really fulfilling mission and purpose to be over there. And then from there, um, I, I moved to New York City for a, a job and TV show that fell through the week that I got there. So I had to reinvent. And luckily, I had this skill set from being a reporter and journalist where you get on the computer, you do some research, you figure it the F out, and, and you go on. And then, you know, I found myself working as a model full time while I was a, an on camera presenter. I mean, I never intended to be a model, especially in my 30s and at a size 10, 12 US. I hope everyone listening is like, oh, okay, maybe considering that they can do something that they hadn't thought of or take a risk or, um, I mean, my life can be stressful, it can be lonely, it can be <laughs> insane, but it's never boring. And I have grown so much 
and transform so much as an individual because of the uncertainty, if you will, and taking risks and um, not having such a clear, straight path. And it's, it's just been a wild, beautiful ride. And I wouldn't trade it. Some days I wish, yeah, things were more stable and more set in stone, but I'd probably be bored, <laughs> sadly, if that were the case. <laughs> yeah, no, most definitely. I, I think the thing that, that kind of keeps you going through all this is knowing your why. So for you, you're like, okay, I don't want to be a doctor why okay that's boring to me that's this i'm gonna you know i'm destined for something bigger than this so i feel like in me there's something bigger to be done and then you go right okay i'm a reporter now why okay i want to talk to people i want to uncover stories i want to put, shed light on people that need light shed on to be like this isn't fulfilling me okay now i'm in africa i'm you know covering this and then you know you get to a point where you're at now and i wonder if you like what is your why now like why do you do what you do and if you could kind of talk me through that nice evolution of your why to where it's at now that would be kind of yeah great i to love hear. that question and i will just say listen i wish i had the stomach to be a doctor i think it's one of the most noble careers what these men and women do is extraordinary i my brother is my hero all doctors are my heroes i think they're magnificent and i i you know part of me wishes that i i could have gone for that but um, you know, I have other ways I think of healing people and I, I do heal through connection and storytelling and, um, coaching and, and things like that. Um, and it's actually a doctor who, who just bought my home in Cincinnati. So that was really special to me too. Went to my brother's same medical school. So it's just, there's little winks from, from the universe. Um, my why really clearly now, um, and this is as of like 2014, 2015, when I lost two loved ones to suicide. One of the men was the, my boyfriend I was living in Africa with, and that just rocked my whole world. And so my why now is them and anyone who struggles with mental health, which as I've discovered during COVID is, is everyone. It's all of us. We all struggle in some way. I think anyone who says they've never struggled with it or dead asleep um, in denial, very delusional and need the most help uh, candidly. So um, that keeps me going even on the days when it's hard or even, you know, I'm preparing for this talk I'm giving in and talk. I talk about suicide. I talk about the darkest moments in my life. And there's moments where I'm like, I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. I don't want to tell these stories anymore. I want to talk about my trip to Portugal and the nice restaurant and the and make some jokes. And um, but, you know, I think we need to be conscious and aware of the life assignments that are given to us based on our circumstances, what we look like, where we come from. Um, you know, the trauma and experiences that happen to us. So I am a proud advocate of suicide prevention and awareness. And these men keep me going. The millions of other people who have died by suicide keep me going and you know the days where i'm struggling that keeps me going because i'm the happiest person i know if i'm struggling i know that other people are struggling so i think by sharing my vulnerability it allows others to be real and stop pretending they have it all together and everything's perfect and embrace their humanity more yeah and uh, that's the thing everybody has a dark side everyone has that element of themselves where you know things aren't going to plan and we don't talk about it. And, you know, online people share their highlight reels. In real life, we even share our highlight reels. If someone asks you, how are you doing? You know, we go, oh yeah, I'm okay. And you, you realistically, you might be struggling with something. And I, I feel if people can view you as a person that they can just arrive as themselves with, you know, just completely be honest with you and not feel judged or not feel, you know, that they're doing something to you, like dragging you down. That's such a great place to be or such a great person for people to be, you know, to feel like their, their safe space because 
everybody says, oh, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. And it's really, really focused on just physical health. Go to the gym, diet. But, you know, the actual definition of health is the complete states of physical, mental and social well-being. And, okay, we're moving away from just physical. We're getting to the mental. But the social well-being and the mental well-being go hand in hand because without taking care of your social life and by social life, I mean everything, you know, going to work is a social event, you know, talking to your parents is a social event, all these things, your mental health will, will suffer. And so something that you have pioneered is something called the full spirit workout, which is encompassing health, you know, for the whole thing there is. So I wonder if you can just talk me through what the full spirit workout is. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite things to talk about it. I don't have children. I have a niece and nephew, so I'm a proud auntie. But the Full Spirit Workout, my book, is 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 like my child in that I, I, I birthed it. I put my heart and soul into it. And I'm really proud of this work because I'd like for inner fitness to become mainstream, just like physical fitness, where everyone knows you have to go to the gym to exercise your muscles, to stay fit, strong, and healthy, resilient, to combat gravity. If you don't work at keeping your muscles up, they're going down, especially over age 25. Um, and same with emotional gravity. There's a lot less talk and emphasis on how we keep our mental, emotional, and spiritual muscles fit to combat emotional gravity like stress, fear, anxiety, depression, global pandemics, all the, the, the nonsense, chaos, and confusion and uncertainty in our worlds right now, which is, is sadly not going anywhere. So it really is up to us to develop this inner musculature and get really fit and strong on the inside. So um, I love to talk about this because when you do these exercises, just like physical exercises, you feel better, you build those inner endorphins, and then you don't have to try so hard or force and control or manipulate situations or people. You become the person who's actually capable of achieving your goals. You become the person who attracts the phone calls, the relationships, the opportunities, the experiences. You get to uh, relax a bit more into life through that inner stillness rather than the hustle and grind that's so prevalent in our culture. And so it's it's liberating and, and we all have access to this. You just have to you know set aside the time to, to do this work, just like working out your physical muscles but you notice when you you know work out consistently your your body craves it and you want to keep doing it so um you know this was going back to school after i lost my loved ones and studying positive psychology and neuroscience and whole person coaching techniques at columbia because we're not just our job we're not just a son we're not just a father a daughter a husband a wife a partner a parent um, it's important that we look at, at all aspects of ourselves, and that, that does include the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical, and so uh, really getting fit uh, you know, throughout the whole person, and then you're able to, to share your unique gifts and strengths with the world in a really meaningful way because you know who you are, you know what's important to you, your, your why, and, and you know what you really want, not what you want, but what you really, really want. Mm. And it gives you gives you confidence in who you are and what you're doing and, you know, why you're doing it. For me, I think confidence is definitely something that I know I struggle with and everybody listening to this struggles with. It doesn't matter how high up you are, how low down you are. There's there's always something going on with your confidence. And I'm wondering for you how you view confidence and like if there's any kind of ways that we can work on confidence. Because I know a lot of people are pushing meditation right now and, you know, mindfulness, which is, you know, two in the same things. But I'm curious for someone like you who's viewing it as a whole thing. Confidence is obviously in that mix. And how do we work with confidence? How do we enhance our confidence or just feel more, you know, self-confident so that we can arrive and be our best selves? 
Yeah, confidence is definitely an inside job. So I think there's this misconception that when I lose the weight or gain the weight or I look better or I have a hot body or a hot partner or the hot job, car, house, money, then I'll be more confident. And I think we've all experienced that. We've gotten one of those things. We've, we've achieved the goal. We've gotten this, the shiny object. We've lost the weight. We look better, whatever it is. And you feel pretty good for about 20 minutes. And then it's on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I think it's also in the space that I work in, you see some of the, the biggest, brightest stars of our time choose to end their lives. Why? They had it all. They were beautiful. They were brilliant. They were successful. They were wealthy. What the heck? And, and that just shows that none of that stuff really matters if, if you aren't happy on the inside. And, and research shows, and certainly my own life has indicated that all of those things don't really move the, the needle on our well-being. Being. What moves the needle are things like sleep, exercise, acts of kindness and service, time affluence, having the time, like spending our time doing the things we actually want to do, connecting with people in meaningful ways. So when I was, um, you know, getting my master's degree and, and studying how we can leverage confidence to accelerate leadership development, I came up with the five P's of confidence. Um, the first is presence. So that's showing up like you mean it, like being present and also dwelling in the present moment, not stressing out about the past or, or future tripping. But I think so many people I see, you know, especially working as a presenter, they show up and they present their product or service like they don't care. And I don't know if it's nerves or something, but you got to show up like you mean it, like you got something to say and people will be like, oh, okay, thank you. Um, and you don't have to be loud or boisterous, but it's that it's that presence. It is, it's that, that confidence that I'm talking about that comes from within, that, that no storm can ever weather or shake. Um, the next one is patience. I think sometimes we hold on to our, our goals and dreams so tightly that we actually repel them. So there's that, that uh, 38 special song, Hold On Loosely. Um, so it, it is putting in the work and doing what you have to do and then taking your grip off the wheel, if you will, and, and being in an act of surrender and faith and, and trusting. Um, I know it's hard because patience stems from the words to suffer. So we're, we're suffering a bit while we wait for the thing that we want to happen, but, but really um, releasing that, that grip to the result, having to be exactly when you want it, exactly how you want it. Maybe it'll It'll happen in an even better time, which it will, divine timing. And maybe it'll happen in an even more beautiful way than you could even dream up. Because there is a higher power always working, whether we believe in it or not. Um, the third we've talked about, it's purpose. So having that really strong why. Why is this important to you? Uh, preparation. You see that as athletes, all the preparation that they put in before I give a talk. There's a lot of rehearsal. Like, I think... It's funny too, even people that, that pay you to present, they, they think that you just show up and can speak for 45 minutes eloquently and so just make up content on the fly. It's like, no, I've been rehearsing this a while. So put in that preparation and, and practice. We all know that. And then I have two bonus piece that came up a bit later and one is pause. And I think pause is so important, especially, you know, during COVID or even now internationally where you're in meeting after meeting after meeting on Zoom to take that five minutes in between meetings to just decompress and, and ask yourself, how did that go? What did I learn? What's the takeaway? What's the next action commitment? But also pause. And I've had to learn this. You know, they say you teach what you need to learn is pausing. I'm even pausing now before you respond to the text message. You know, that person sent you something, you are triggered and you want to tell them what time it is and tell them about themselves. And you know, you may ruin a relationship. Um, 
in that moment by saying something you don't really mean or you're triggered. So take a pause, put the phone aside, be like, you know what, I'm going to think this through and wait before I respond or respond to that, you know, getting back to someone immediately over work and, and not really even answering the question or making a mistake. So that pause. And then the next one is person as in be a person. I'm someone who's, you know, obsessed with performance and perfectionism. And my speaking coach, Eduardo Placer would always say to me, just be a freaking person. You know, when you get up and speak, I think this is for whatever anybody's doing. Certainly people who do any sort of speaking for a living is have more fun. You know, no one's ever going to be having more fun than you're having. So have more fun, be a person, be relatable and, and really embrace your humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like systems like that, where there's, you know, these are the five P's or, you know, you said you've got bonus two, so technically the seven P's, things like that are easy to remember once you kind of have them down and, and like locked into your brain. And once you've built kind of confidence, now you're thinking to yourself, right, I'm a bit more confident, I'm getting some traction in life. I want to start, you know, let's say manifesting things. I want to start going and getting that kind of self-fulfillment. So I'm wondering kind of, do you have any kind of secrets or tips for how we can kind of get fulfillment in life? You know, how does that work with the whole full spirit workout? I think we get more fulfillment when we focus on what we can give rather than what we can get. And that speaks to the number of clients that I have who have achieved everything that society says you should achieve in order to be happy and fulfilled and yet they lack fulfillment. Um, and it goes back to what I said, because I, listen, I love money and nice things and travel and first class as much as the next person, but it makes your life more comfortable. Certainly it can make you happy, but it's not that lasting fulfillment. The lasting fulfillment, you know, I spoke about that Africa trip. It's making somebody's life easier or better, helping someone who doesn't have your means or privileges. And so I think anytime that we can, now you don't wanna give and, and the cost is that you're not giving to yourself. And I certainly have done that. I am very others focused and then I'm neglecting my own needs. And so uh, I, I, I do not suggest that at all. And really, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, I always say I wanna be of service and then I'm like, are, can you be of service to yourself too? Um, and that's just really, you know, taking care of yourself, the, the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. So certainly let's all, let's all take care of that, please. But I think, um, you know, I, I think of even a client, Tony, for instance, who um, has all the things, but what's really fulfilling to him is anonym, anonymously donating to his alma mater and getting them like a whole new baseball field. And his kids played baseball there, for instance, something that he can see and go back to, and it's benefiting children and it's benefiting um you know, a higher purpose. A lot of people find great joy and fulfillment in sport. I certainly did. So um, that's certainly a path of fulfillment. I think when we get really, really clear on who we are and, and what we really want, and I keep saying what we really want because what we want is often dictated by society. We're all given a script at birth, men and women, gay, straight, black, white, um, marriage and kids. We've all gotten that script, right? Yeah. All of us. Um, it's like, and, and I think you see the, the, the divorce rate and, and other things um, with children, unwanted children or children who aren't treated as, as well as they could is because a lot of people who took that script and ran with it don't, they're like, that's not their movie. That's not their role. That's not their assignment. So I think being more conscious and deliberate about what we really want, which you have to do the full spirit workout and do some of these exercises to, to sit quietly and, and really 
really reflect upon that um, without what mom and dad think or say or want, without the, without the friends or neighbors or social media or society is doing. And so when you're following that script that you've created for yourself, it can be lonely. I attest to that. It can be challenging. It can feel like, why am I doing this? I feel like an alien, but your, your life is your own and there's fulfillment in making your own choices rather than blindly going off somebody else's script. Does that make sense? 100% it does. Yeah. I mean, there's a lovely phrase out there, which is comparisons, the thief of joy. So if you're constantly looking at why don't I have what they have or why aren't I here? Why aren't I there? They're there, you know, doing what they're doing. I wish I had that. You're never really going to be happy because it's not, like you said, it's not your movie. It's not your purpose. It's not what you're meant to be doing. So I'm wondering how can we kind of get out of this comparison trap? Because that is something everyone struggles with. We all have our role models and people we look up to and we think we want what they have, but you know, realistically there's a whole track record of things that we don't have that, that lead to the outcome. So how can we kind of break free from that comparison trap? I think instead of spending that time scrolling on whatever social media platform you wanna do, cause you can, I'm, I'm quite accomplished. I even feel like I need to take a, a break but I'll scroll on some silly app and it's just like, oh, I need to be doing more. I'm not doing enough. I didn't do much today. They did X, Y, and Z, all of that crap. It's just crap. Ugh. And so I think mindfully and looking, I, I like to take a break and like look at some tarot reader on TikTok. I'd love it. Like tell me I'm going to have this great year and the abundance and the love and it's all coming and it feels good for 30 seconds, right? Go for it. But um I, I think it's better to, to take that time to, you know, take some assessments. There's the VIA character strengths, VIA character strengths. I highly recommend everyone take that, but sit down and, and really catalog your signature strengths and your gifts. And if you don't know, ask a best friend, ask a counselor, ask a, you know, someone that knows you well. And so then it, it really doesn't matter what other people are doing. For instance, my signature strength is my infectious enthusiasm. My swim coach in, in undergrad gave me that title. And I thought, wow, that specifically speaks to me. And so this person may be smarter, they may be cuter, they may be whatever, better, different than me, but I'm like, I'm owning my enthusiasm. And what do nine out of 10 people say that I, when I meet them, they're like, wow, you have the best energy. You're so enthusiastic. And I'm like, yeah, that's my signature strength. I use it. I, I work for it. Or I know that I'm good at connecting with people, opening people's hearts. So, you know, I said that it's so funny. My, my love, Sam, who passed, and he also um, was from London, like yourself. And so it's just when these things happen, I'm just like, I see you. And he's, he's winking at me and I'm like, see what you're doing. And I'm like laughing and crying at the same time. Cause he's, he's funny. Um, <laughs> you can't make this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. But, um, you know, he and I used to say to each other, cause he was, you know, um, an actor and, and very successful around beautiful celebrities, people all the time. And I was, I'm not a jealous person, but you know, it's just, yes, yeah, somebody's always going to be more beautiful or whatever, but it's, it's about that connection, like the connection you have with yourself and that person and, and your skill set and your strengths and what you're good at. And when you're in that space, you don't have time to worry about, and you don't care what Sally and Johnny and, and Jill and everybody's doing. Cause it's like, you're owning your thing. So, and your thing is not like, well, I have to be the best, you know, singer out there. It's like, come up with your thing right? Because there, I think of like five best singers, you know, you think of, you know, Whitney Houston, a Beyonce and Adele, there's three right there. They couldn't be more different. 
but they're all fabulous. So I feel like I'm giving a long winded answer, but I think the more that we can focus on what makes us uniquely us rather than where we don't add up the better. Yeah. I mean, long winded answers are the best ones because they give you context and everything. <laughs> That's my specialty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, don't worry about it. Some people go, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm rambling on. It's like, no way. That is the best answer you can give rather than like, this is how it's done. Go and do it type thing. But one thing I like listeners to have from the show is like actionable kind of points. So I'm wondering, is there any kind of things we can do for like, you know, five, 10 minutes a day that can help us on this journey? Cause you know, those small little things we do every day make the person, do you know what I mean? If you're eating junk food every day, you might turn around in 10 years time and you're overweight or you have diabetes. So we want to kind of strip those techniques out and replace them with better habits. But you know, with, with as small an effort as possible, everyone can five, find five to 10 minutes a day. I wonder if you have any kind of little work things we can do, any little Amen, yes. And mine are the five to 10 minutes. I have my minimum five minutes a day of what I call my sit and stare practice. It came about during COVID. And at first it was more of just what is happening I, I, the beginning of COVID and the lockdown, I would just, I would stare out the window some days for hours, just processing. And I'm like, wait, what, what's going on? And we are all, it's like, what? And so I started getting deliberate and intentional with that time because A, I had a 90,000 word manuscript to write in three months and B, I'm just like, sister, like what's, what's happening? So then I started using it to check in and say, okay, how are you doing? What do you need right now? What's working? What isn't? And so it's, it's a take on meditation, but I, again, I'm, my eyes aren't closed and I'm, I, it's, it helps to look at nature or something beautiful, certainly, but asking yourself those questions and then listening for the answer and then taking actions on that. It's like, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm experiencing so much anxiety over signing this paperwork and I, I don't know what to do. It's like, okay, maybe call a friend, call a coach, call a therapist, journal about it, reflect on it. Because I promise you, when you, you sit quietly in a room alone with all the distractions and devices off, you will hear the inner guidance. That's not your ego. Like, yeah, you should be freaked out. Or like, why'd you say that dumb thing? Or you don't have enough time. Or you're never going to get this done. Or you always do this. And it's just like, whoa. But when you sit quietly and listen, you get like, oh, okay. So like today is something with the selling of the house. And it's like, okay, you know what? They don't want to pay the fee. Just pay the fee, hire the attorney, calmly send the email, get the email back, say it's urgent pay the fee and be done with it rather than like, Ugh. so that's just a silly example. But I think the more that you can do that, it helps. I think also um, taking a walking meditation, ideally in nature is phenomenal. It's a way to reset, connect, ground, um, and, and ask yourself, my favorite question to ask on a walking meditation is if you could do be have anything, regardless of money, geography, any perceived limitations, what do you really want to do? And then listen for the answer. Do not edit whatever you hear first. Let it come. Um, the first time I did that exercise, the answer I got was everything that I say that I don't want. So then it was exploring that. So I invite you to do that, see what comes through. But the more you can sit quietly with yourself and just listen, um, the better because you'll you'll receive guidance that's actually for you and you'll be able to make decisions from that place rather than the frantic ego anxious depressed plugged into the caca of the world mind it'll come from that pure source yeah i mean being able to observe your thoughts is such a powerful thing and i feel like a lot of people are in their head a lot of the time so they think something then they think about it and they think about it and they think about it rather than letting the thought kind of 
come and go and you know pass them and go through them and let the answer naturally come it sounds very simple but it's something that's really complex when you kind of get down to it and it does seem a bit silly people when they start meditating or being mindful they go i'm just sat here trying to think of nothing it's like yeah that's one way to do it but another way to do it is to sit there let your thoughts come and go come and go and then eventually or you know over time an answer will appear or a solution will appear or a state of calmness will appear but it's doing it every day that's the part that's the hardest it's not about you know i need to be zen and sit on a mountain and float and you know i'll start glowing and all that kind of stuff it, it doesn't doesn't get to there but it makes life much much more manageable and, and something that a lot of people struggle with is burnout right i have a very I wouldn't say controversial take on burnout, but I, I have a very kind of real experience with burnout. And then I also have a, a view of it going forward about, you know, it's not about avoiding burnout. It's about knowing and testing your limits. You know, it's like drinking alcohol. First time you do it, you go, oh, okay, that tastes funny, whatever. And then once you think you're a seasoned professional, you might start you know drinking way too much. Then you're sick and you go, oh, okay, didn't like that. Let me back off a bit. I, I personally, what I feel is, you know, once you know what your limit is, great step back and find that that healthy kind of place where you can kind of still be productive and get stuff done but also know that that's something you can do day in day out or you know as often as you need to so i'm wondering what your kind of views and tips are around burnout i think that nothing is worth our well-being and our mental and emotional health and i because I think that because of the work that I do, I chose to recently resign from a, a very toxic situation and environment that most people would have continued on. You see that in marriage shoot continued for months, years, decades, because the pay is great. The benefits are great. It looks great on your resume. You've got the title, you've got this, but if I'm having bad thoughts um, in terms of, I don't even wanna be here anymore, uh, that's and I'm giving you a pretty extreme example, but we need to we need to listen to that. And when you call in, when you're in that place and call in for me, I say a prayer. It's like, dear God, I I am willing to do and go wherever you see me going, but please provide me with the means, the exit, the strategy for handling this with love and grace and being being taken care of and the next steps. And so set yourself up for success, certainly, but. My take on burnout is, and that, again, that's an extreme case, is that um, let's let's put let's set ourselves up for success. Let's put ourselves in a position where we don't have to get to such a traumatic place, right, or such a state of that's going to take take us months or even years to recover from. So it's, I think, being more conscious, deliberate, intentional about who and what we let into our lives, personally and professionally. Highly vetting friendships, romantic partners, business partners asking the difficult questions up front, even if it's uncomfortable, even if that means you may turn them off and nothing may start at all. Great. Think of the heartache you just saved yourself, right? Um, that's what I'm really present to in, in terms of burnout and, and not being a martyr. And there's also in our culture, certainly in America about this, you're so noble or so fabulous for what people oh i'm so busy i'm so working all the time and i haven't been on vacation in years i'm like i wouldn't tell many people that like that's not success to me that's failure um and i can say that because i've been there so it's no way say it with no judgment i say it and like i've i've been that person um so i think it's just again asking yourself 
the theme today, uh, who do I want to be? What is success to me? I think we eliminate or avoid burnout when we've clearly defined success. And without it to be, oh, success is money, the mansion, the this, and maybe that is your definition of success. Great. Um, at what cost are you willing to have that success then, I would ask you, um, because I've certainly have gotten some things, um, but at what cost? Same with staying at a job like that. Um, it would come at too high of a cost. So then it's like, okay, let's say you're making $300,000, but at what cost? What's it, gonna, what's it doing to your health? Um, that's, I guess, my take on it. Mm. And I'm wondering, you said there's you know, difficult questions that we might have to ask people. What are some of those difficult questions we may have to ask people? Because we've been you know, very focused on the self right now, but eventually we're gonna have to interact with other people and, and challenge them. So I'm wondering as well, actually, what are some of the difficult questions you've had to ask people? And what are like, you know, kind of difficult questions we might have to ask other people, just like a kind of short list of them or a long list, it's completely yeah. up to you. <laughs> I think in business it's, you know, I, I noticed that there's quite a few negative reviews on Glassdoor or on this site that talk about that this company is a toxic workplace, the CEO is toxic, blah, 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 blah. Um, what is what is your um, experience of that? Or what is the company doing to create a better, more fulfilling, healthy culture for its employees? What measures have been put in place to assure that when I work here, I will, you know, um, not be, a, you know, a victim of burnout or I will not, um, be able to take any PTO because I have to work 20 hours a day to get these projects done that I was only given a date, whatever it is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to, but I think that's in, important to ask because employers have no problem asking us like, oh, Sally, I see you, you got fired from that last job after six months. What happened? What'd you do? What's wrong with you? People have no problem asking em employees that question, potential employees. So I think that I think with friendship, um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to go to the party and be like, so what are you looking for in a friend or, you know, stuff like that. But I think it's more personal. It's more um, you can certainly ask questions about values. You know, what's your mission in life? What's your purpose? What excites you? What energizes you? What are you passionate about? But I think when it comes to personal relationships, I think, you know, as a journalist, it's, it's show, don't tell. I think so much more of it is in how people are occurring and appearing and what they're showing more so than what they're saying. And I think don't ignore your intuition and don't ignore what your body is trying to tell you. For instance, I had a potential business opportunity and I'm like, okay, this could be lucrative, right? You know, this, this, this financially learning a lot. But I would leave those meetings with this individual and my body was, was giving me a clear no. I don't like this person. I don't want to be associated with this person. He's icky. And that could sound judgmental, but I'm just, you know, we're being candid here and we need to let, well, why is he icky or what is it about it? And so stop ignoring that. Stop trying to talk yourself into things. I, I think we've all been guilty of that. Um, and not making decisions out of desperation. Um, that is, who that is going to get you into trouble. Mm, yeah, I feel like when you come to the table, you know, from a place of lack, you are just ready to say yes to anything. And over time, you eventually learn, okay, I need to have my, my limits and, and set myself, you know, these standards, otherwise, I'm not going to go and do this work, or I'm not going to, you know, enter this situation type thing. And, you know, 
that is a, a thing that we can try teach you here now but it's one of those things where you have to trial and error you've got to test it a bit you know you never know how you like something until you've tried it in many different types of ways and I mean I, I guess I'm trying to like get to a point where I'm wondering like where do you do your learning is it all trial and error or is it like books podcasts YouTube like you know how do you get to where you're at now with this whole full spirit system where do you learn from to, to get that knowledge together I love that question I'm such a nerd. So I have, you know, several master's degrees and certifications and I keep going and going and going. I, I do today. I even heard my mentor in my head say, you know, the, the era of data collection is over. What are we going to do about it now? And really implementing what we've learned. I am so grateful for my education that I've uh, like achieved and have, um, done in classrooms at universities. It has been incredible. And a lot of that knowledge is infused into my work, but, I think the greatest teacher is experience. Uh, this past year, I went through a very tumultuous season and situation, and you know, some could label it like worst thing that ever happened to you. And while part of that is true, it's also the best thing. So if you're hearing this, I'd love for you to consider what if the worst thing or things that have ever happened to you are actually the best thing or things that have ever happened to you and watch that perspective shift really transform you and your life and how you're living and choosing to move on from that situation because what I've been through was so challenging, but it has made me just a wow, much more elevated version of myself. And so I am so grateful and I can see it and feel it with how I show up. And a big thing of it is, is setting the boundaries and, and not being such a people pleaser and not, not being willing to sacrifice myself for someone or something else, you know, where I was in the hospital three times, things like that. And so it's such a gift. And I think if we are willing to look at every single person we meet as a teacher and look at every single thing that we go through as an opportunity to expand and grow into our most actualized full potential self, then it's just like, thank you. You just walk around saying thank you all the time. Thank you for making me better. And what I just went through, you can't learn at Harvard. You cannot, there's no course on it. And mine was an extraordinary circumstance where it's just, but I was, then I say, thank you, God, because wow, he trusts me. He believes in me. He thinks I, I really can, can handle a lot. And so I'm just, and, and it's kind of, it's that assignment. It's that test. And you pass that. It's like the world is your oyster. It's there's, there's nothing you can't do. And it's just, you just get to then kind of sit back a little and watch the blessings flow in because again, now you have become the person who can have this massive role in a career, who can have the extraordinary love with your dream partner because you, you freaking have done the work where you can sustain it. You can, you can, you're a container for it, right? Does that make sense? A hundred percent. It makes sense. And you know, something I kind of want to ask feeding into that is like, what was your biggest takeaway from what you deem to be your greatest failure you don't, you don't have to speak about what the failure was but just if you could enlighten me on what your your biggest takeaway was i can i can do anything provided i'm willing to put in the work ask for help hire professionals who can assist me on this and not feel so 
in my ego that I can do it all on my own. Um, yeah. Um, there's a few moments in my life where I think, whew, after that I can do anything. And not that I welcome those kind of challenges all the time, but um, my takeaway is like, I, I can, I, I am, I, I am, I am powerful. It's like that, that samurai, the warrior. And then when you get put in a situation like that again, first of all, you probably won't as much, but if you do, it's just like you, you pull out your sword, but my, my coach calls me Buffy, the vampire slayer. It's like, you pull out your sword. It's like, whew, whew, okay, next, just like another Tuesday, rather than this catastrophic thing that you have to heal and recover from for months. It's like you get out your sword, you slay some vampires and you keep it moving. Yeah. I mean, res <laughs> resilience, resilience is such a necessary thing in life and in entrepreneurship. It's one of those things where if you don't have it, you'll learn it. And if you don't learn it, then it, you know, life will just keep swallowing you up whole, which is, you know, really, really encompassing. I, I feel like we've been in a really kind of like uplifting kind of place. And I kind of took the conversation into a darker place there. So I want to ask you something that I ask every guest and all the answers are always different because it's a question that's personal to you. But what I'd like to know is what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? I think sitting across from people and seeing, feeling, hearing, experiencing their shift and transformation from a place, whether it's place of lack into abundance, the place of self-doubt into self-confidence, a place of uncertainty into clarity, a place of not being fulfilled into great fulfillment and and knowing that everybody has access to this. I think that's the special thing too. You don't have to have a million dollars. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be from a certain family or part of town. Everyone has access to this, whether you call it source, whether you call it knowledge or wisdom, whether you call it experience. I think being willing to put in the work, um, think of yourself like a professional athlete, think of yourself as your favorite entertainer, Think of your favorite movie of all time and the actor who is in that favorite movie. They didn't just show up and start filming. There was so much that went into it and honoring and trusting the process and having fun with it. And, and it not being about being the biggest movie star or being the best athlete of all time or being famous, but knowing and sleeping well at night and looking in the mirror, knowing like, man, I showed up like I meant it. I tried my best. I had fun. I did right by myself and others. I am a success. I am wealthy and, and feeling really, really good about that. And when you can experience that for yourself and you can see that in others because they have shown up and, and done the work, it's again, there's just like, this is what changes the world. It, it does. And there's, there's really, it's not magic. It's just, it's willingness, really. It's willingness to show up and, and, and do the work. Where can the people find you online? Yes. So go to kateekman.tv, K-A-T-E-E-C-K-M-A-N.tv or thefullspiritworkout.com. You can check out the book there everywhere to order. Join the community. Let's get fit together. Let's work out. No sweating required. And, and let's have some fun. Let's be fulfilled. We're, we're meant to be happy and enjoy our lives. So let's get to it. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend. 